Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast today. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Steve Grant. Steve and I, we don't go way back because he didn't actually meet me, but I was in a lecture with him. He was presenting on gut health about seven, eight years ago now. So I'm absolutely delighted to go full circle and get onto the podcast. Steve, how are you today, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. Seems like a long time ago, that, right? No, I know. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't know me. I was just in the, you know, in the in the guy in the back of the lecture hall. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And we were talking about gut health that day, I think, alongside Matt Love. And that's definitely something, one of the topics that we'll go into a little bit today. But yeah, just you do obviously now, the whole Steve Grant health is a lot more than just gut health. Just give us a little bit of a, an overview of, of, you know, your day to day and what you get up to at Steve Grant Health. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, Steve Grant Health, like we basically set up a, a clinic. We've got a, a clinic space in London. We've got a few clinicians that work with us now. A bit of a mixture, really. Of, like myself, my background kind of comes from sports science into nutritional therapy into a bit of functional medicine. And, and that's kind of my background. And then the other guys that work with us are either kind of MSC and sort of like sport and exercise nutrition or their nutritional therapy background or their bit of functional medicine. So it's a little bit of a blend of kind of nutritional therapy, nutritionists, functional medicine practitioners, like that sort of thing, all kind of coming together under, under Steve Grant Health. And then we have kind of associate clinicians that work with us as well. So like mindfulness therapists, clinical hypnotherapists, the change and life coach sort of guys, like that sort of thing. So nice. the whole the whole idea is to sort of really try and offer people a little bit of a, you know, I, I guess a bit of a 360 sort of approach to health and performance or whatever it might be. And, so, and certainly our, our little sort of, I guess, niche or specialist areas, I suppose, are, are more sort of metabolic health and stuff digestive health and, and and we do a little bit of kind of like performance nutrition and Fantastic. and then and then I, and we'll get into this i'm sure later and then i have a little sideline sort of within the film industry um yeah. as well that is definitely something for you know for listeners to to make sure that you stay on the podcast we're going to talk about fit for films and and the way that steve has set up a, a company to be able to deliver nutrition and training for stuntmen and actors and, and all sorts but just kind of getting into this kind of multidisciplinary approach to to nutrition i think it's a really essential thing that's something I've taken from team sports, you know, 
that having the different practitioners rather than someone trying to do everything. And I think sometimes in nutrition training, like you get, <laughs> that's where people can fall down potentially, you know, not either having a network or referral or not having something underneath. So the clients come to you and then they would see multiple different practitioners or would you just kind of push them into whatever their priority is? I mean, I guess, I guess the general way it will work is that they'll almost have kind of like a primary practitioner that they're going to work with to start off with. And because of what we offer and what we do and kind of our backgrounds, that primary practitioner is going to be kind of a, a like either a nutrition specialist or a functional med practitioner or something like that. And then it's, it's really kind of like their role to initially review and assess kind of what's going on and then to see what, see what clients might need, you know, understand more about their history and, and that sort of thing. And then sort of decide, okay, is this something that we're going to, you're just going to work with me to start off with? Or, you know, is there a lot of past trauma or high levels of stress that actually I want someone else to come in and sort of support you on this? And then it's for that lead practitioner to almost kind of like guide the process a little bit. So the way, the way I always speak to clients about it is we, we try and sort of develop a bit of a, a bit of a roadmap from that first consultation to mm. decide where we're going to go with things and then. At that point, we can we can make a decision whether that's a roadmap that we're going to sit just with that practitioner or not, or whether there's someone else that might want to come in um, alongside us as well. And, and just leading on to your point, I think as a clinician, it's it's almost it's much less stress and less pressure when you've got other people around oh, you God, because 100%. because there's, it's not everything's kind of on your shoulders when you're when you're working with clients. You know that you can bring in other people that are a bit more specialists that can take care of a different area for you and you almost just spread the load sometimes and i think certainly when you're when we're seeing clients that have slightly more kind of like complex cases or chronic issues and that sort of stuff you kind of need you need that extra layer to sort of be able to work with people yeah you definitely do i think you know the ph nutrition what we work with in client wise is probably a little less diverse in terms of what the clientele that we're going to see it's more you know performance nutrition more body composition change and then we do you know like i said my background is a little bit more functional medicine and, and from from the football days and stuff and taking that into private clients but when you're when you're having these kind of clients come to you like you say that their their symptom picture be, can be quite varied you know like I say so having that ability to be able to kind of either bounce sometimes it's just talking it out between the team and that's what definitely something we're trying to create with us so that's awesome to hear because sometimes i feel the clients would go to someone and they're either trying to fix everything and or, or pull the wool over their eyes or push them down an area where they're just not seeing results whether that's through excessive supplementation or whether that's through a, a you know a plan that is probably not targeted to the to the priority that you know that they need to kind of focus on and i think that's where sometimes yeah nutrition is, is a really murky area so i think that's that's awesome mate you, you know you spoke about gut health and digestive health as being one of the things that you're kind of really specialized in for me i think it's an incredibly fascinating area but do you feel that sometimes it can be very much oversimplified i'll improve your gut health that's what I see on, on social media. And I think that's a really blanket term. Like, in terms yeah, of, yeah, yeah. In terms I, of that. I think it can go two ways. I think it'd be really oversimplified and I think it'd be really overcomplicated as well. Mm. Like, I, I think that's, you know, it's one of those things, I think, because it's the, you know, it's the new thing, the whole, the gut microbiome and that sort of thing. And everyone's kind of talking about it. And I, I think what happens sometimes is clinicians almost because it's the the new shiny thing, they they sort of gravitate towards it and oh, everything must be to do with 
something going on inside the digestive system. They make a situation much more complex than what it actually needs to be. But equally, as you say, you know, there's the, the other oversimplification of, of gut health as well. That Oh, yeah, there's this one magic supplement that basically cures all kind of like digestive symptoms and, and yeah. that sort of stuff as well. So it's always about it's always about really sort of trying to understand that individual and what's going on and trying to, for me, it's, it's very much about how do I make this process as simple as possible? Simple for me, simple for the client. Like that's the most important thing. So I want after that first consultation, they walk out of the door and they don't feel overwhelmed. They feel, oh yeah, this is doable. I know what I'm doing here. They've got some clarity on what they're going to focus on. I think that one of the biggest challenges kind of in our industry is that people almost because people pay money, they they feel like someone needs an expensive answer and a complex answer. And actually what people really need is they need simplification of what's going on. So even if they present with a lot of challenging sort of like issues and, and considerations, your role as a practitioner is to try and simplify that. And even if it means that you're presenting to them what is relatively basic and foundational work, for me, you've done your job because if you're not doing your foundational work first, then there's no point in going into these complex areas such as, you know, imbalances in the gut microbiome and certain opportunistic bacteria that might be kind of contributing to a low-grade yeah. inflammation in someone. Like all of that sort of stuff is, yeah. is just, it's just kind of nonsense because, you know, if you fix a lot of the basic foundational kind of like lower hanging fruit stuff, then a lot of these other kind of more complex issues just take care of themselves. Like you yeah. don't even need to get too kind of like hung up on, on what they are. So I think there's definitely, there's a level of kind of like oversimplification. I think if you look at broad market in and, and the overall sort of like health industry. Yeah. Uh, and then I think if you go more niche into kind of like, certain nutrition and functional medicine practitioners, there's almost an overcomplication of, of someone's situation within perhaps some of those areas as well. Yeah, man, that's a great answer. It really is because it's just something that we really bang the drum for across, you know, you're talking about digestive health and, you know, more kind of like functional medicine, but we're talking about it in terms of performance nutrition as well. Like it's the same thing. We just keep trying to get people to go. It's not simple, it's hard, but, it sh you know, it should be something that you can be able to kind of you know, implement relatively consistency and that's our job that's you know that's what we keep saying and yeah sometimes it's a bit of an uphill struggle but we keep trying um so you said you know gut health there like sometimes the simple things are good but have you found anything consistently keeps cropping up in terms of actually improving people's gut health and you know this might be the basics you know just give the listeners a little bit of an insight in terms of anything that you commonly are recommending like, to be honest, probably stress in the nervous system is the biggest thing. Like, yeah. by, by a long shot. Like, is like, if you're dealing, I think if you're dealing with acute issues going on in the gut, then you're, you're actually looking for like potentially some acute things that have been going on that have caused that sort of incident. Has there been a food poison incident? Has there yeah. been okay. you know, something like that that happens? But it's when someone kind of presents with digestive issues that have been around for five, 10, 20 years, then a chronic sort of symptom is often, driven by a chronic issue or chronic issue. And stress is probably the biggest one for me just because of the impact that stress obviously has on the nervous system, or the impact then the nervous system has on digestive health and how the gut is functioning, how well we're digesting food, you know, whether there is any kind of like issues with, you know, intestinal barrier integrity, stuff like that that can be yeah. driven by um by high stress in individuals. Yeah. And for me, this this is probably, you know, one of the 
the main areas that us as practitioners have to really kind of like, and that's why, that's why I surrounded myself with a clinical hypnotherapist, the mindfulness therapist, and a behavior change coach and a life coach and like those sorts of things. Because for me, physiological symptoms that people are experiencing often are driven by psychological pressures and, and that sort of thing or past traumas or whatever it might be. And so I think the, the better we get at managing stress and, you know, working on other areas such as, you know, whether it might be purpose or drive or you know, whatever, whatever it might be, mm. I think those things go a long way in really improving someone's um, digestive health. I think certainly connections that I've seen over the years have been like with say anxiety and digestive health. There's a really strong yeah. connection between anxiety and digestive health. And some people argue that some of that is driven by microbiome imbalances that can, that can sort of impact the messages that are being sent from the gut to the brain. But I, you know, I'd probably go the opposite way as well, that the, the anxiety and the effect that whatever we are anxious about and stresses that we're going through has that impact on the digestive system as well. So yeah, that, that for me would be the area that I would say when someone presents with kind of chronic digestive issues, I really want to understand much more about, you know, their overall environment, things that they're, things that they're coping with, dealing with, you know, their day-to-day sort of like life, whether it feels stressful, what their perceived levels of stress are, like those sorts of yeah. things are, are really yeah. interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think for me, it's... it's- something that a lot when you find a really good nutritionist and nutritional practitioner or whatever they look at that symptom picture rather than just going oh gut health that means fiber or hydration or probiotics or inflammation like like you said it it, there's so much that can impact it and i I think having the behavioral change element as a real for uh, the real forefront of of nutritional coaching is something that is potentially overlooked when we're even looking up to professional sports, like people ask me, how do you get them, how do you get, you know, footballers to change? I'm like, it's behavioral change. <laughs> like it's communication and identifying what's going to help them to change. It's not about like calories and macros. It's not about that. Like most of the time, the foundations work on that come from behavioral change. And I think that's, like I say that's, that's an incredible thing. Like to, to look at, like, because often people, I think go to, go to like say supplements, right? Gut health equals probiotics you know, and, and they miss, miss all of this stuff. So that's, that's awesome, mate. You mentioned gut microbiome and I know we spoke off air about this at home testing and the, the rise of the testing. And we'll get onto kind of more of the nutritional testing in a minute. Do you use any testing in your, I know you do from functional medicine and the metabolic health kind of side of things. Do you do any stool samples, any comprehensive digestive stool analysis, anything? Give us a, yeah. an overview on that. Yeah, so so we we certainly use testing within within our clinic. Um, I, I'd say I probably use ninety percent less testing than most most functional medicine practitioners. Yeah, if I'm honest with you, that's something that I see. People come to me and they go, yeah, they "Well, go, I paid one hundred ninety pound to see this functional medicine practitioner, and they charge me seven hundred and fifty pound for testing yeah, in the first exactly. in the first consultation." Yeah, yeah, and that you know, like. For, it's a real bugbear of mine because I, yeah. think, I think the concept behind functional medicine and what it stands for and that sort of thing is great. But there's, like, I'm actually looking to write an article on this, like kind of the good, the bad, the ugly, because that's, that's kind of what functional medicine is these days. You've got kind of like aspects of it, which are, which are, which are really great, which sort of a lot of people kind of gravitate towards. But then you've got the real greed element that kind of sits in the background, which is people are making a ton of money off of tests, a ton of money off of supplements. 
and you know they're they're doubling or tripling their wages with the the fact that they're upselling like really? you know yeah. supplement protocols which are you know five ten supplements like deep and then a whole bunch of like lab tests sort of on top of That's that scary. and this is what I go back to before it's like your mate someone's making a whole approach way more complicated than what it needs to be you know someone's drowning in supplements someone's drowning in lab tests like you know they're they're just struggling with it so I mean we we use comprehensive blood blood work. So we use yep. a lot of basic biochemistry, hematology assessments, you know, basic hormone testing like through through standard sort of bloods. I do use stool testing, um, which I'll select out to use with people if like I have always sort of had the attitude of you need to earn the right to be able to run certain lab tests. And for yeah, me, definitely. stool testing would be one of those ones where I just go, Well, look, if we're not doing a lot of the foundational stuff first and we haven't tried some of the basics, then why do I want to test a gut that's already got a load of stuff going on? Actually, if the results come back, I'd still want to do those basics. Do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, what's the point? Like, what's the yeah. point? Like, if, if I'm... Even 350 quid. Yeah, exactly. So, but if I'm in a situation where I'm going, right, okay, we've changed this, we've changed that. I trust what the client's saying, telling me yeah. they're feeding back to me. They've still got these symptoms going on. Okay, cool. Let's, let's maybe look at this. There, there's enough risk factors and symptoms here and that I can see that this person's really been trying. Now we can use certain assessments to be able to do that. Amazing. Um, you know, but a lot of, you know, I, I don't really do any SIBO testing. I find it relatively pointless. Um, yeah. So from a gut perspective, it's predominantly um, stool testing. But even yeah. with stool testing, there's a lot of limitations with that, you know. Like you're, you're not getting a full picture of what's going on through the whole digestive tract. You're kind of getting more of a picture of what's going on in the colon and a few other kind of imbalances that might be going on there. So whilst whilst testing can be useful, I think for me, there are certain tests that, are, that have good research behind them that are valid, that are, are worth utilizing. I do like using blood testing with people at various different kind of points in their in their journey as well. But fundamentally, I think I think it can be over relied upon. And I think you know, I always think like, what did practitioners do before all of this fancy lab testing was, oh, no, was yeah. around? All these sort of advanced, you know, like lab tests were around. And you know, I, I think there is there's a level of really trying to appreciate what it takes to understand someone's symptoms and what's going on elsewhere to then know what your interventions are going to be from that rather than relying upon a lab test that comes back with 200 markers on it and there's something that's mildly out of range that may or may not mean something and then you kind of go down a rabbit hole that might be completely pointless going down so yeah that's that's kind of my loose opinion on it i mean the blood testing thing is definitely something that we use as well and like you said there, like you get in a marker and an individual marker looking at that, oh, it's out of range. People then go, they see it red on the report and then they go, oh, this is, this is bad. We don't know if that's trending in the, in the right way. We don't know where it's going. We don't know the history. And like you say, these, these at home tests are fantastic. But like you said to me offline, the skill is in the interpretation. You have to have that interpretation. If you don't have that, I think that they're potentially could be either making people buy a supplement again because oh, I'm deficient in zinc or this is high or that's low and they're buying a load of supplements that they don't need or it is causing them like to loop back through it more anxiety more stress like the amount of times I get someone's blood work and they're going oh, I was really worried about the results like and then they go oh thank you so much for allaying the my theory on why this is this and this and this I'm like well yeah because they don't know the history of what you're doing they don't know that you know the, the, the reference, reference ranges you know, 
you're just outside or it's trending, you know, we can see it's coming down, so you don't need to worry about it. So, like you say, I think I think the at home testing is something that, that yeah, is, is great. I, I, but I think there's I think there's so much to it that people don't appreciate. And actually, to be honest with you, like you know, I I think even like trained medical doctors don't appreciate it as well. Like mm-hmm. the preparation that someone does before a blood test is crucial to the numbers that are going to get spat out and it's very easy to go down a rabbit hole because someone trained within 48 hours doing their blood test and suddenly their liver enzyme markers are elevated or something all the time all the time all the time and it's like and then they've gone down this rabbit hole of getting their liver scanned and all this (laughs) other stuff and all someone needs to do is go did you train in the run-up to your test? Did they look yeah. at your CK level at the same time as looking at AST and LT? Like all of those sorts of things just yeah. humor me. Like I just, I'm just writing something on HbA1c at the moment. Yeah, like HbA1c is a really nice kind of effective, potentially effective tool for tracking average gl- glucose in someone. Yep. But, you know, if someone's um, anemic, that's going to screw the HbA1c levels. Mm. If someone's taking vitamin C in the run-up to the test, if someone's taking vitamin E in the run-up to the test, you know, if someone has some sort of sickle cell disease or something like that, all of these things that then influence like red blood cell life cycles and that sort of stuff are going to influence the validity of a HbA1c. Yeah. So I've seen on numerous occasions either people going privately and just getting a finger prick HbA1c and then kind of freaking out because their yeah. levels are elevated and they're in a pre-diabetic or diabetic range. Or at worst, I've seen doctors diagnose someone with diabetes without checking that their their hematology to see whether they're anemic or not or something like that first. Lo and behold, you check they've got an iron deficiency, correct their iron deficiency, and suddenly the HbA1c drops down. It's like, yeah. you know, so I, I think there's there's a lot more respect that needs to be given to blood tests by everyone, you yeah. know, whether it's public or professional. And that goes from what you do preparation before the blood test to then the interpretation and analysis of it and put in context to those results in relation to someone's goals, symptoms, you know, nutrition, lifestyle, all of those sorts of things. Like that, that for me, that whole picture is is where you're going to get some good value out of blood testing. I think if you're trying to compartmentalize that, it's marketable to run a test and tell someone they need to take a supplement. I think you lose so much value in testing, and, and you, we run the risk of. Uh, sort of in what what the purpose of of these labs are yeah i I think you're absolutely right i think my bug you know you said your bugbear there mine is is hormone testing do you do like test testosterone and stuff like this i get a lot of people give me their their hormone tests without any other context they've just done a hormone profile there's no nutrient profile there's no history and you're like oh well my testosterone is low and 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 so they expect then it's like a well what do i do and, you know, and we use, like you say, some, some really good uh, blood testing that they're trying to educate the client around this. But the problem is, is the results are still there, it's still red and green and this. And like I say, I think it's just dangerous without all of that. So, mate, it's like you say, it's it's hard to keep trying to to, you know, almost run against the grain in terms of like, well, your blood testing is fantastic, but all of this stuff needs to be happening you know, as well. So for me, when you're doing this, uh, this whole kind of process with, with clients, do you get them to, to, to track regularly their blood work or, you know, how, how do you kind of monitor that in terms of like, should they get repeat tests done at two months, three months, four months? That's some, a common question I get. 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess it, it depends what, what I'm working with that client on and what their goals are, right? And if there's kind of any underlying issues that are there before, you know, if, if we're working with, say, like a client that's more a metabolic health client, like a type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic or something like that, and we're working on body composition and trying to improve their blood glucose levels, then in an ideal world with them, I'm looking at getting some baselines so that I know where the starting point is. And then probably every few months, I might be looking to re- reassess certain markers based upon what the original blood tests were. Yeah. And I'll use that like two ways. One is just to see whether we're, you know, whether we're tracking in the right direction. So it keeps me honest that, you know, what I'm recommending and what they're doing is, is working. But equally, you can use it as a kind of like motivating tool as well. Because if yeah, you make definitely. those changes in those sort of first few months, because you know what it's like, people can be quite motivated for eight weeks, 12 weeks, or whatever it might be. Mm. And then that motivation can sort of dwindle if they're not really seeing necessarily the, um, the result like in an obvious way. Whereas this, I think, kind of just gives someone that kind of analytical feedback, um, which can really help just from motivating them sort of like longer term with it as well. So I think in the initial stages of working with people, then then for sure we might be tracking it a little bit more regularly. Yeah. Um, and then obviously once we kind of get people to where we want to, then we I would just generally start to space that out my personal opinion is like a, a good, well-rounded sort of biochem and hematology once a year is is yeah, not a I bad agree. idea. Yeah. And just even just to see where you are and a bit of sort of prevention and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then obviously, depending upon what those results come up with, you then might, you might look in a little bit deeper into into other areas as well. But yeah, that's that's the general approach. Like we don't have sort of any sort of fixed set programs of testing at certain times or anything like that. We just kind of like figure it out as we as we yeah, as we nice. go yeah I, I, I encourage people like now the great thing for me is that the rise of these tests have maybe driven the price down so they're a little bit more accessible to people so the fact that you can spend 150 180 maybe you know once a year to get a really decent ish you know not really comprehensive but a decent enough look at what's happening in your body i think is a really nice investment in your health i think that the fact that if you really took a bird's eye view of how much money we spend on other things, 180 pound on other things, can we get this done once a year? So in five years time, you can see where cholesterol is trending, where zinc, magnesium, you know, like you say, HP1AC, CRP, these levels of things that are actually kind of usable. Then, then you can, you know, have a bit of historical data. And then for a practitioner, for us, I think it's, it's invaluable sometimes when people have done this. So, uh, yeah. Guys, if you're doing it, I definitely think like trying to get it, like say, done once a year minimum. And then if there is anything that flags, then maybe kind of doing it a little bit more reg- awesome, mate. Cool. We're going to we're gonna switch up uh, a, a little bit here and talk about um, the other. So you've got Steve Grant Health, which has been running for almost 15 years, I think. He's looked up. Awesome, mate. So you've got a bit of an, uh, another business in called Fit4 Films. Um, mate, give us a, a bit of an overview because this, this is a fascinating area. I think a lot of people would like to, to know a little bit more about this. Yeah, so so Fit for Films is essentially a company that kind of got born out of a little niche that I started working in. So like, I'm I'm very fortunate. I got kind of a foot in the door. Like, my brother's a, a stunt performer. He's one of the directors of Fit for Films now, and a good friend of mine is a stunt performer. And they're sort of going into being stunt coordinators now. But around about I try to think what it is now, eight years or so, something like that, eight ten years ago, I started seeing stunt performers so they sort of refer oh you want to see this guy and then sort of slowly start seeing stunt performers and then because the stunt performers had sort of direct links with some of the actors so they'd be stunt doubling some of the actors and then mm. occasionally i'd see an actor and then start supporting them through sort of like physical and, and health journeys that are required for for a movie 
And then it just sort of snowballed from there. It just become this little niche on the side that, you know, like some people do corporate wellness and that sort of thing for businesses. Like mine just become this sort of like corporate wellness for the film industry, essentially. Yeah. And we were looking after stunt performers and actors and they're sort of led into producers and directors and, and that sort of thing. So, and it lends itself quite well to like what we're, what we're quite good at, which is, you know, metabolic health, dealing with people's stress, like, you know, sometimes weight loss, fat loss. We've had to do like emaciation, sort of like movies, like Prisoner of War sort of movies where we've had oh, to wow. really get people skinny and that sort of thing. And the next thing is someone comes in and they're a superhero. So we have to kind of like work with them to, to build their, you know, build them up a little bit, like stuff like that. So it's, it's quite a, it's quite a fun little niche in that we, we're there to support the health and the wellness and the, the composition of people working in the filming. And off, off the side of that, uh, I got my brother and, and Ben back involved with Fit for Films. And then we've gone on to develop P-Form Supplements, which is, yeah, which is just a new supplement that, line yeah. that we're, uh, that we, we kind of got going over the last couple of years as well. But yeah, it's, it's essentially kind of like a, a wellness and health support thing for the, for the film industry. And then we, we deal with some, some funny niche sort of uh, jobs basically within that. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you've hit some pretty big movies though, some Avengers movies and like say some of just what, what's ones you've been working on recently? So I'm working on one of the night. I like sometimes you're a bit coy with what they're. Uh, yeah, what man, they're don't, get me in trouble. So, don't get me yeah, in trouble. Yeah, don't get the podcast taken out for copyright issues. Yeah, no. So there's like I, I sort of dabble in a little, like a couple of actors. And I just done some stuff on the new Fast that they're doing, like the oh, film. Yeah? I just nice. finished filming, so I did a little bit on that. I just had another job coming recently where I'm just looking after one of the acting doubles for that. There's another one which is more of a I don't know some sort of. Lord of the Rings spin-off or something like that. So I'm just helping one of the actors out out with that as well. But yeah, it's it's a little bit it's it can be sort of somewhat random, some of the some of the yeah. jobs. Like it can go from just working with an actor direct or a stunt performer direct to working with the production to then, you know, be assisting the catering to be support everyone that's yeah. on set. We're working with numerous actors that all have kind of like a goal and sort of like managing all of them. And we're really trying to develop this at the moment to make it a bigger package than what it is at the moment. Like up until this point, it's been very much me kind of going in on set and, and doing bits and pieces like that. And we're trying to bring the element of Steve Grant Health into this a bit more, which yeah. is to try and offer a team of clinicians for yeah, a production so that they have almost like a wellness package that will allow them to be able to access people that support both physical and mental health through um, through kind of creating a creating a movie. So that's kind of the end goal a little bit more of the fit for films is to really try and create this sort of all-encompassing support package that production will be able to tap into it, that the various departments will be able to tap into as well. So there isn't, there isn't this kind of elitist thing that only actors can, uh, can access, yeah. you know, like that's, that's the thing. I think a lot of people work in the film industry, work very long hours, you know, quite stressful, quite demanding jobs with a lot of yeah. pressures and that sort of thing on top of it. So it's about really just trying to support people through that process as best as we can, whether it's kind of like physical, mental health support, whatever it might be. Yeah. We're going to get your, the, the other guys, because you're doing like, say, the nutrition and training, aren't you? Like, say, trying to get that whole package. We'll get your other and, and the other business partners on to talk about a little bit more of the training side of things. But how do you go about, like, you know, you obviously hear some of the trainers have made a lot of money on like, you know, oh, this is Chris Hemsworth diet and it's going to get you ripped in three and a half weeks and like going through this process with actors, like say they've got so much going on. How, you know, is, do you get 
access to them like well before like the, they need to do this or is it like a little bit more crash like like last minute.com right we need them in, in this. great question <laughs> so it really varies from one production to another so i've had instances where i've been given plenty of time with people so we had to do you know one movie i did called unbroken which is uh, angelina oh, yeah. joey directed it and then we had i had the whole team that i was looking after we had to emaciate and as part of that job and essentially what they did is they they flipped how they recorded it so they recorded the emaciation stuff at the start of the like as the start of filming and then they had a kind of hiatus over christmas where they could put on weight and then they recorded the start of the movie at the end if that makes if that makes sense so yeah, yeah, yeah. what we then had is we then had sort of a three-month period before filming where i could nice. work with them to sort of gradually get them down to some sort of kind of healthy emaciated stay and then what yeah. we did is we used more kind of like tricks of the trade to basically make them look more emaciated right so like yeah. water manipulation like that yeah dehydration and, and glycogen depletion and that sort of thing yeah. and then Body obviously prep <laughs> yeah mate, exactly exactly it's just bringing that into into the yeah. film industry and like figuring out how you how you want to kind of build that in yeah build that into that so uh what was the original question sorry no mate. it was just like say do you do you get it like because changing someone's body composition like it, it's a real stress, isn't it? And you know, if they don't get enough time, like because whatever time pressures, filming pressures, whatever, I was just like, you know, it, it's it's a tough thing. Have you ever had anyone like really like because you know what it's like when you get clients like they're going like, oh, I want to lose a load of weight, and then like, oh, by the way, I'm out on the I'm, I'm out on the lash or weekend this weekend. Yeah, mate, it happens all the time. <laughs> it's like, and it, the other the other one, which is a classic one, is like. You know, you get a call from production. It's like, oh, yeah, we've got this person. We're starting shooting in like four weeks and we want him to gain, you know, five kilos of muscle mass. It's like lean muscle. Lean yeah, yeah, exactly. Back. It's just like, we need it. We need to be big. We need to come in much bigger than what they are. It's just like, what do you want me to do in four weeks? Like, yeah, you know, exactly, yeah. okay, the only thing you can do is you just like, it's the opposite, right? You just glycogen load and give them some creatine, like fill them out a little bit, like just try and make them look a little bit, a little yeah. bit bigger. Like that's, that's the kind of best you can do. So sometimes it works really well and get a bit of preparation time and that sort of thing. Sometimes it's like, it's a panic decision from production that, you know, like we've seen it recently and one that I'm doing, it's like the actor comes in way smaller than what they thought and therefore the acting double or the stunt performers, they're not going to look the same. So can you work with them to sort of almost react to what the, what the actor's doing? So you've always got that yeah. sort of like game, you're playing a little bit with it as well. So and that, that's the thing with the film industry. There's time pressures and there's a lot of money pressures and that sort of stuff. So you do have to kind of jump in sometimes last minute and just do the best possible sort of like yeah. job that you can do with them, but trying to be realistic as with as realistic with them as possible. And to be honest, I've probably taught myself out of jobs by being too honest with them as yeah. well. Like I'm a little bit but like yeah, that. I'm I'll just like, look, this this is a situation, like this is what I can do in this period of time. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and turn around that I'm gonna turn sixty kilo male into someone that looks like Thor in like three weeks. So let's let's just be realistic about what we're gonna be able to achieve here. And then and then we kind of work on it from that. But yeah, yeah I'm I'm probably a bit too honest for my own good in that industry. Yeah, I'll bet it's tough mate. I, I <laughs> Who's the nicest person you work with before we move on? People. Nicest actor, nicest I was um, hearing like said the nicest person. I don't care about the biggest one. I just want to hear who's a nice. I nice mean, to person. be to be fair, like I, I worked with Chris Hemsworth, for, Chris Hemsworth for about he's four years, and he's a really nice guy. He's got a good bunch of people around him, like, and 
easy to get along with, like very chilled. Like, yeah, yeah. So I worked with him for around four. He doesn't shoot much over here because he's just like, you know, taking, I think he's taking quite good decisions to sort of move back to Australia. They're doing a lot of movies in Australia these days. Like, so I think he's getting that sort of work-life balance as, as he can do now, now that he's kind of in that position to be able to kind of call the shots a little bit more. But in his more early days where we were doing, you know, I think I did a couple of the Avengers, one of Thor with him, Heart of the Sea, Snow One, Huntsman, a few like that nice. with him. I guess he was probably a bit more early in his career where he couldn't, he couldn't quite call the shots in the same way that he can now. Yeah. So he's taken all your secrets and put it on the center app, yeah? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, exactly. It's funny. I know like Zocchi, his training, so he started working with him, overlapped with me for a couple of years. So he would come over and I mean, he's a good friend of his back in school, basically, and he got, got him on the books and then yeah. um, Zocchi was working with him from there. So I get along with, I get along with Zocchi really well. But when, when I was with Zocchi, we, I sort of, I said to him, I was like, Mate, there's there's something here, like you know, Chris's like where he is and the physique that he's in. Like, there's something that you could kind of put together here. Not that I'm going to take any credit or anything like that for yeah, yeah, yeah. for that, but I think it was it was kind of very obvious that they could go away and create something like like that and sort of take advantage of the reach that obviously Chris has and the people that he's kind of got around him doing stuff as well. I mean, I haven't actually like I've, I've seen the center app. I saw that they sold oh, a yeah, to Amazon's brother, like the bezels his brother or something like that about six months ago so what he bought into it yeah i think so not not jeff bezos i think his his brother or something like that bought bought into it yeah it's 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 huge i think i downloaded it once but like say when it first came out just how it looked but i know it's like it's absolutely mental how much like you know people are making he's making off it and yeah yeah i mean it must be insane it must be insane but yeah good luck good luck to him good luck to him yeah you mentioned creatine there and you say you you, you've created do you own p-form supplements yes yeah yeah Yeah, so so p-forms basically comes in under fit for films it's sort of our supplement line under fit for films basically you just got two products in yeah pre post yeah, exactly. So we've got kind of a, you could call it a pre-workout, but we can use it slightly other times as well. But it's, it's kind of a blend, an essential amino acid blend with some adaptogens with an electrolyte blend in there as well. A couple of sort of nootropic sort of elements to it as well. So that's that's kind of more the pre-workout. Yeah, and the, the post-workout supplement powder is is a, a vegan blend. So it's like a pea and rice protein blend with additional leucine. So that's to sort of try and mimic the amino acid profile from whey protein. And then we've got additional magnesium in like a magnesium glycinate form and then ashram and then creatine in there as well. So it's kind of like a post-workout slash recovery blend. So you can use it post-workout, but you can kind of throw it in at other times as well. But yeah, the, the main, you the main creatine. Have you got What's stocks that? of creatine in Have you got stocks of creatine? Because it's like liquid gold at the moment, apparently. Oh, is it? I mean, we just, I mean, we, we sort of, we, we get a, a company for us blends the yeah. blends the product for us, so they kind of pull it all in. I didn't realize creatine was like liquid gold. Like, is, that, is that right? Is it? You know, you know, we used to recommend creatine. Like, oh, it's really cheap. It's really you know, like it goes across lots of different things to help people gain muscle, whatever cognitive function. But it's not so cheap anymore, and people are people are scrambling around to try and get creatine. A couple of couple of brands that I'm involved in, they're like, yeah, man, creatine's like worldwide shortage at the moment. Oh, um, uh, really? Yeah, I mean, I saw like, even just like, yeah, like whey protein's like almost doubled in price, like in the last sort of like couple of years, something like that. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're the two, they're the two sort of main products that we've got at the moment. Yeah. It's awesome, mate. Do you use, 
a lot of reading on adaptogens. I use a lot of the adaptogenic herbs and I think that there's you know, so much benefit of using them, you know, across different scenarios and stuff. And I really love when I looked at it, looking at people putting different things in post-workout and I loved the addition of, I said, the, the, the really nice form of magnesium, but also the addition of, of ashwagandha, you know, I think that's a really, really nice thing because some of the research is coming out in terms of, you say performance based, you know, nutrition and length and, and power and stuff like this in, in ashwagandha is really, really promising, isn't it? Mate, definitely. I think, I think this goes back to a lot of what we spoke about before. It's like, you know, we're talking about how, how do you manage stress in individuals? Stress, yeah. If you can manage stress yeah. in, in individuals, you can improve recovery, you can improve performance. So it still comes back to that foundational sort of element. So when you're, when you're considering what are the things that people are dealing with the most these days, well, they're dealing with high pressure, high stress, like those sorts of things. It makes sense that adaptogens are going to play a role in, per, in performance. I think there is a, you know, I mean, certainly with the, well, we've used a 10 to 1 extract. So um, it's equivalent to like five grams of ashwagandha root. So it's like a 500 milligram nice. 10 to 1 extract in there, which is what most, so of, the, most of the research is on, on that sort of dosage. But yeah, you look at the benefits of ashwagandha in terms of like helping to manage stress response. There's obviously some indirect um, benefits in terms of like supporting testosterone levels and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So I think that works really well. There is, I think about three or four months ago, there's a really nice review that come out about rhodiola. As yeah, a, I mean, that's my um, I love it. Yeah, as a sort of performance aim as well. So like in the active one, we've got 300 milligrams of rhodiola um, in that as a sort of pre, pre-workout as well. So I think we're going to find that. I think certainly in the next five or 10 years, we're going to see a lot more research coming out on adaptogens and their role in supporting performance. Definitely. And what what we've definitely found since launching the products, it's, you know, I'm probably talking my way out of like a, a broader market here, but people that do train like and sort of really like to train hard are the people that really notice the benefit with our product. Like because we've used dosages that are, you know, therapeutically affected dosages for individual ingredients and lumped it, it lumped it into one formula yeah. like there's none of this which i think is quite a common thing where you know you see a product and it's like oh yeah we've got such and such in it and such and, such, and there's like a billion ingredients and it's like they've got jack all of like most of those ingredients in there so they're relying upon some sort of synergistic effect that may or may not happen so at least with this we can go well, look, we've got a, we've got a protein dosage here that's effective. We've got a leucine dosage here that's effective. We've got a creatine dosage here that's effective. We, you know, so we're sort of looking at the individual dosage ingredients, making sure that they're effective, and then relying hopefully on a broader kind of synergistic effect by putting those ingredients together with people. I think I think you you nailed it. Like a lot of companies, fairy dust supplements. Oh, it's got you know 84 active ingredients and you're like <laughs> what the interference of them you probably don't know um so you're hoping like you say there's some synergy but i think looking at really successful supplement companies they have quite a, a there's a reason there's a reason why there's something in there and it's also then at a required dosage without you having to take 55 pills or something you know it's like the typical cereal box serving our 25 gram serving but no one really eats 25 grams it's like that kind of thing you definitely need that amounts and i think having a really streamlined ingredient list was when i was looking doing the research it looked fantastic mate it was really really good and we you know we're we the same we're looking at more i mean i've been banging the drum for that that herbs for for a number of years now and i think 
now it's nice to see some research, some solid research on them. But just like you say, you you got to be managing everything outside of the gym. So yes, you can have gels and yes, you can have car powders and, you know, and yes, creatine vitalinine is fantastic. But what we say we're finding, especially with people, because predominantly in the functional fitness space or higher level sport where there's game after game after game. And like I say, you're just recovering. You, you know, that's what you're trying to improve. So we're using these things that help the body deal with external stresses is definitely something that we're finding a real benefit. So mate product looks wicked really really good yeah i think that that's probably going to be the theme that we'll we'll be carrying across you know like i think it's probably it's probably just come about off the back of my background right like my background is kind of like sports science into into nutrition into functional medicine dealing with you know a real background of clients whether it be performance or health or stress related issues so it's kind of a natural thing for me to go well do you know what actually the things that I most commonly see in my clients are people that struggle to deal with stress, struggle to recover because of the stress that they're dealing with. And then this is hampering their recovery and performance mm-hmm. as well. So what can we do? How can we actually support people? And for sure mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of like pretend that people don't need to do the basics. They definitely do. It's not like you're going to take a powder and it's like the magic ingredient. But yeah. when you, when you are looking at getting that cherry on top or that extra five or 10%, that's yeah. when you can utilize supplementation and you can utilize like, you know, good formulas and good products to be able to get that little bit extra. And that's why I say like I think a lot of the time, like the the value in this is really for people that have done a lot of the foundational work that are training hard, that, you know, are struggling maybe to find that balance between exercise and recovery and you know sleep and, and all of those sorts of things. And it's just that little bit extra that you can just give someone to be able to support them, to be able Definitely. to get that, that extra mileage out of it. Definitely. I think we use them as well to plug gaps. Like sometimes it's hard to get quality protein sources. Like if you're talking about people being on set, people traveling, you know, I'm like, well, people are like, oh, I should only take your post-workout. I'm like, no, you don't. You can take it like, you know, mid-afternoon if you're traveling, like they're much better to do that than, you know, you go and, you know, you're smashing a ginster's pasty every day. Like it's like, because that's what you can get in the soup at the petrol station. I'm like, I think that sometimes we miss this with supplementation, especially like products like yours is that, you know, they don't, they can be used, like say, to to help with that one, two, five percent, which keeps people kind of moving forward, mate. It's really good. You talked about stress there. We'll, we'll kind of wrap things up is, do you use any other, I know we talked about blood, blood testing. Do you use any other wearable or any other way to measure stress, HRV or anything else with clients? Good question. So I, I dipped in and out of that a little bit because I think touching on what we spoke about before, I just find that people who use a lot of wearable stuff just are more anxious and more stressed out <laughs> about the readings that they're getting from it. So it's like, like they're freaking out that they, oh my God, I only slept for like three hours last night. I was like, how long do you feel you slept for? Oh, well, I kind of went to sleep and I felt like I slept for like seven hours. Did you wake up and did you feel okay when you woke up? You went, yeah, I felt all right. But my my ring told me that I didn't sleep very well. I was like, oh, I can't. I, I'm sort of a bit dubious about whether it just it just is that kind of either analysis like paralysis by analysis yeah. that you sometimes get with that and people starting to overthink and over you know I'm not saying there's not value in HIV like I, I definitely think there is like I really do think there is and yeah. but I'm more inclined to go what can we do to improve someone's HIV based upon what they're presenting with, what's going on in their environment, that, that sort of thing, not even looking at their HIV. Let's just make some assumptions that based upon your lifestyle and certain things that you do, 
your HRV is going to be a little bit off. So let's put some things in place that are hopefully going to support you with that and work at it from that angle a little bit. So I, I, I think it's funny, isn't it? It's like, I think, you know, I don't know whether you find it like the, the longer you're in the game, I think the more you kind of rely back upon more of the sort of simplistic approaches that you could, that you could make and. Otherwise, otherwise, it's not. Not only does it become confusing for the client, it's almost too much information for the clinic to sort of make head nor tail of. You know, like so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that answers it, but like I, yeah. I value those things, but I'm just a bit skeptical that sometimes I think that they create more stress than what they resolve. So I would just rather function on the functional things that we can do. Like, what can we actually put in place here that really supports you, rather than let's just keep analyzing and analyzing and analyzing stuff all the time yeah no i completely agree i'm I'm very much echo that that process of using all of the technologies i think they're fantastic but sometimes i think the interpretation and like say causing more stress than they actually worth is probably very common to a lot of people so yeah use them sporadically in certain scenarios for me i I think so i think that's a really good way of looking at it is like can can you use that spread like how do you feel and can you assess and use that to sort of just get a little bit of feedback a little bit like the same way you might use like calorie tracking or like my fitness pal something like that you might use that as a way Mm. you change your diet you do that for a period of time you almost kind of find your feet find what's working for you form those habits and then you can start to sort of phase that out a little bit whereas i think the sort of you know I don't know whether you feel the same way, but like calorie tracking can be an amazing tool to help people understand, you know, the value of like the nutrition, not the nutritional, the energy sort of value of food and to sort of understand how they can navigate around it. Um, but there is a point where you do want to kind of release some of that burden of, of sort yeah. of constantly tracking as well at the same time. God, yeah, mate. Exactly. We, we get people to track, you know, track their current intake for two to three days then we calculate the calories and then we give them a targets to follow we make small adjustments to their current intake rather than tracking you know oh here's a meal plan follow that once they do that they cultivate the skill of eyeballing and if they eat and they're similar things they don't need to track and we move well away from it and we actually encourage one of our programs that we have we actually tell people they don't they're not allowed they shouldn't and it's like if you've even tracked if you've even if you're if you're a person that tracks all your food you go the other way and challenge yourself not to and see if you can still make progress and get back the time that you're spending logging your food. And actually we find that then people get a bit more balance, let's say. And I think that's a similar thing to, to wearables. I think if it's 365 days a year all the time and you're basing your, you know, your choices off of it, I feel that sometimes that might not be a really nice conducive way to kind of he- see progress. I think, you know, like I say, certain periods, then have a little look and see what's happening but you've got to relate it to subjective data and feedback and everything else as well it's not just like oh i'm i'm 100 recovered i must go and train or i'm 20 percent recovered i can't train <laughs> i'm like yeah it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a dangerous one but uh, i think it's good you know if we use it in the right way then it's always kind of nice to have a little bit extras but i still think there's a lot to go on it i think there's a lot of we, we're very early on it and i feel that there's a lot more development for it at the moment to maybe like say integrate with blood work integrate with other things before we can really kind of be like cool this is this definitely something that we can kind of use this as not gospel but a bit more targeted so that's yeah exactly 
And, and I think people just taking that opportunity to sort of step back and just ask the question about how they feel as well. Mm. You know, like to like you say, there, there needs to be a level of sort of subjective feedback relating to how they feel and, and what you're trying to work on as well. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're treating a test and you're not treating a person. And I think yeah. that's that's the challenge that you'll you'll find is that you end up people treat data instead of actually treating them as an individual or the person that's sitting in front of them. So yeah, the, very the, the data really helps to guide the process, but it shouldn't be the be all or end all of, of what you're going to be doing. Yeah, 100%, mate. I could not agree more. Mate, just wrapping things up, what's on, who, who, where do you get your information on online? So who do you follow? Anyone good that I should be following or the listeners should be like getting some good information from? It doesn't have to be nutrition related. It can be anything could be like not lab bible don't say that right but um yeah <laughs> damn it i was gonna say that um i did find sorry i did find the other day on twitter this is completely off, off thing a really cool feed called uh why men have more fun than women and basically it's just lads doing stupid stuff and one of the ones the first one was a two geezers using another fella as a as a pool cue and with his head <laughs> yeah so yeah don't follow that. Well, we can if you want to. But yeah, where, where do you where do you kind of get a little? You know, who do you follow that's like? Oh, I love the reading their stuff. Mate, it's a re- it's a really good question. So I I I don't follow that many people anymore. I'm really like I'm a little bit recluse. Like I'm sort of I got to you know I've gone through like different institutes like Institute of Functional Medicine, done loads of stuff with those like yeah. FMU, done some stuff like I've gone through those and there's you know. I, I think I get a little bit disheartened with some of the direction that some of these people go in. So I, I've just got to a point now where I, I rely upon PubMed and I use PubMed loads. So I just kind of search stuff on PubMed and just read about it myself and just try yeah. and sort of figure some stuff out myself. I do like examine.com. Like yeah, it's a really, name. really That's useful website. Membership. Yeah. 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 yeah it's good. great. Like it is really good. Um, I'll give a bit of a shout out. Dr. Brian Walsh is a really good guy. Like I've done quite a bit of stuff with in the past. And so oh, I've found his stuff really useful. From a functional medicine perspective, like Dr. Datis Karazian is pretty good. Um, although some of the stuff he says is a little bit like, I, I think the thing is always trying to, I think probably the biggest skill as a clinician anyway, is trying to retain a level of sort of cr- critical thinking. Yeah. You know, and I've done stuff in the past, like long ago when I used to do like personal training and that sort of thing. And I've gone down the check route and I've gone down the polypid yeah. route and I've done those things. Yeah. And like, been I've, been I've sort of been, you know, fully engrossed and fully sold on like all of those sorts of ideas and concepts. Yeah, and right. then as I've got a little bit older mm-hmm. and hopefully a little bit kind of like wiser, I've sort of become a little bit more skeptical and I, I think I'm slightly better critical thinker these days. Yeah. And whilst that might mean I'm sort of probably a bit more guarded than what I was in terms of information I pull in, yeah. I'm probably slightly better at selecting out the information that I think is, is sort of like relevant, but I, I prefer to go a bit more to the source and then sort of form my own opinion. So that's why I say PubMed's really good, but yeah, examine's great as well. Yeah. Like I do, I do use those. They, those they simplify it for, for non-medical professionals as well. It's quite a cool thing that you can actually read if you, if you do want to learn about a certain thing. All right. My, uh, what's on your Kindle? I need a book recommendation. What's on your Kindle or your audio books? I need, I'm coming to the end of mine. I'm reading Billy Colin, Billy Colin Lee at the moment. I can't even say his name. Go on, what's on your recent read or recent listen to? Or even another podcast. I just need some inspiration. We'll I mean, to, yes. to be fair, yeah, like first. me and my wife have been listening to that uh, 
that podcast about parenting. Like, yeah, we got little comedians. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I like, found that out recently, and my mate was like, "Oh, we listened to that all through lockdown." Yeah, and I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we, we found it. Like, we, yeah, we started listening to it while my wife was pregnant, and like, we were just pissing ourselves. We we're just like, "Oh God, this is this is funny," and then we sort of carried on, carried on listening to that. So. Yeah. Like for a bit of downtime in the car when we're traveling somewhere, yeah. then we'll we'll usually sort of like whack whack that on. 100%. Um, I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably my downtime podcast recommendation. Yeah. Anyway, good stuff, mate. Mate, awesome, Steve. It's been absolutely fantastic. I, I genuinely some of the some of the stuff that you've uh, you know mentioned there, and, and we talked about simplicity, and I think the way that you speak, the way that you talk about nutrition, is is you know it echoes that and. It's it's just lovely to hear, you know, someone who's trying to champion the same similar things to what we're trying to do as well. So, mate, absolutely wicked. Can people go? Website? Website? Yeah, so so we've got com. So that's the main website, which is going to be more kind of like direct to us or clinic-based, like one-to-one support, like that sort of stuff. We've got fitforfilms.com. That's where you're going to find P-Form supplements under that. On, on Fit for Films as well, we'll have, you know, we've got our products on there, but we've also got a kind of educational library on each of the individual ingredients where you can go and read about nice. each into each ingredient in the product and then it's got like the research papers underneath that we've kind of gone through when we're formulating product as well awesome. um, but yeah they're the two main ones and then i think with fit for films pretty sure we're like at fit for films and all that jazz um and then steve grunt health it must be at Steve Grant House, maybe. Like, sorry, mate. I'm I'm so bad with social <laughs> we'll media. We'll put them in the nice. show notes. Yeah, yeah. one reason show notes, but we'll put them in there. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll tag, tag you on Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. When, we, when we get the pod live, mate. But um, yeah, I, I think actually, just saying, actually, we've got a separate P form supplement page as well on on Instagram. So yeah, so check out. Just search P form supplements, and I'm sure I'm sure you'll find it. Great stuff, mate. Honestly, absolutely, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for spending uh, spending an hour with us today. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone got, got a lot out of that. Some really kind of cool nuggets, really take home stuff and hopefully simplifying some quite confusing topics of, of testing and gut health and, you know, stress and stuff like that. So awesome. Thank you so much, guys. If you, if you enjoyed this, please share it with your mates and people that you don't like and uh, rate, subscribe and let us know if you want us to cover anything else in the future. But have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back very soon. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.